Man, it's good to see y'all on our third Sunday night. Uh, even though you might not like it, we like to uh, greet our visitors. If you're visiting with us, I know we've got a pastor here with his church. Brother Mark, good to have you and Andrea. <laughs> he salute back again. Mark, I'm going to let you and Andrea. Y'all greet Mark and Andrea sitting over here. Yeah. I will give you the honors to introduce your pastor. Now, let me just tell y'all something. When a pastor goes and visits a church on a Sunday night, you don't know what kind of pressure's on me. Man, Sunday nights, it's one and done. If it, but it's a joy for, a, but I'm going to let you introduce your pastor and the church. Uh, I think it'll work. I think it's. My joy, my joy. One correction, he did leave me. He left me, yeah. Him and Andre left me. But love covers a multitude of transgressions. So. Any other guests with us? We just want to recognize you. If you're here, just, just stand and say, hey, if you're shy, hey, my name's John. Glad to be here. You can sit down, but any guests with Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wonderful. Glad to have you, sir. Anybody else? I can't see past the third row, especially after I'm crying. You get those rings from up here. All right, let's get right into our teaching. We've been teaching about the distinction between the gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If there's ever a subject that needs to be studied, it's our relationship with the existence of and our relationship to the Holy Spirit as it's proclaimed in the Word of God. I'm grateful for Grandma and Granddaddy and all the teaching I've had before. Grateful for it. But there's supposed to come a time early on where you sit down with your Bible and you answer the question, how readest thou? Because Granddaddy was flawed. And you know how I know that? Because I'm flawed. And Papa was flawed. And we, we need to search the Scripture so that we can rightly divide the word of truth and the Holy Spirit, the subject of the Holy Spirit, the subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you'll give me just a second to review. We talked about the difference between the Holy Spirit being with you before conversion, around you. We talked about the Holy Spirit in you, the witness of the Spirit, the earnest of the Spirit that happens at salvation. And then we learned about the, the Spirit upon you. The, someone would say, well, I thought I received the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Well, you did, of course. The earnest of the Spirit, the witness, the marking, the identification, the sealing of the Spirit. But that's in you. And it's, it's very simple. And I don't mean this making light of someone else's belief or understanding. 
But there's no way to confuse the words in and on. They're two different things. The sealing, the earnest of the Holy Spirit is for me. It's so that I might know that I'm his. I'm blood-bought. And it's the marking. In the same way a man would seal, a, a man of dignity and honor would seal his letter. He'd pour wax upon the outside and put his ring upon it. And he sealed it, not only closing it, but marking it as upon his own. And you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, the mark of God. Isn't it funny when the devil, the Antichrist, comes upon it? He wants to put a seal in people's forehead. He wants to mark them as his. Always the imitation. But we, who are children of God, I still haven't unpacked this. I just know it to be true that we are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. So a God with no bones. I'm bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. My earthly father has been dead 50 years, February, February 11th. If you dug him up today and swabbed out what was remaining and you swabbed inside my mouth, it would tell you that John belongs to Roger. And did you know in the only court above where the Lord sits in the seat of authority and there's no appellate court, He's not going to say it's with 99.999% accuracy that you are mine. He's going to say their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. They are mine. The identity, it's evidentiary. It's provable. So for us tonight, as we unpack the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I wanted to start because it's going to take a couple of weeks if Jesus tarries and talk about the gift of tongues and what a dividing line it is so unnecessarily if we would learn to not only read the scripture, but divide the scripture. That you studied to show yourself to prove and you would know how to rightly divide the word of truth. So that you can understand what the context is. Where this fits and where it doesn't. Where it's different. The word of God's not changing. But we can take a wide enough paintbrush and make it say anything we want to say and cause divisions. When you were saved, you received the Holy Spirit, period, for you. When Jesus takes our physical body and baptizes us in his Holy Spirit, the Spirit's not in me at that moment. It comes upon me for power for others. Well, I, I thought that that ended cessationism. I, I thought that ended, you know, with, with the death of the apostles. Well, if it were the gift of the apostles... Maybe so, but it's the gifts of the Spirit. And you remember I used that one illustration that's hard to forget? Jesus Christ, the same? Is he still Savior? Is he still Lord? Is he still Lamb? Is he still prophet, priest, and king? Is he still coming, uh, coming King of kings and Lord of lords? Is he still the baptizer and Holy Spirit? Oh, no, he don't do that no more. Just common sense and logic would dictate that he does all, all things, the things of principle. Now, he's not bound to my understanding of what that means. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this promise is unto you and to your children and your children's children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord God shall call. So then we come into, so that's, you know, the difference often between our Baptist brothers, Methodist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, and us. But then in the Pentecostal circles, 
we have no idea what is the difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, God shed abroad the Holy Spirit for us. But the gifts of the Spirit are from himself and he divides to every man severally as he will. Where we find confusion is that we don't differentiate between the ability to speak in tongues and the gift of tongues. So hopefully by tonight uh, we'll cover enough that I'll make everybody mad and, and be an equally opportunity offender. But to draw enough to where you understand that they're two totally different things for two totally different reasons, all originating with the person of the Holy Spirit with divine intentions and designs. All right. Hopefully our outline, you know, your pastor, uh, when, when I come through school, we were Dewey Decimal System, and it, I had an IBM typewriter, so I didn't grow up in this generation, so when my copy and paste don't look like yours. It might have some things missing, and it's always user error. Just know that. If somebody else says, these stupid computers, no, you did something. And, and I, this, it's better to own it. God, God loves the truth. And so I'll go ahead and show you my first one. <laughs> 1B. Go ahead and put Acts 2 there, if you will. So are we on page 1 of your outline? Hallelujah. Right, let me get to the outline as well here. I've really looked forward to this time with you tonight to do this. All right. Tongues are... now. Before we start, this is not an Assembly of God class. I started our church 29 years ago. It's not even on our letterhead. letterhead. I love the Assemblies of God. But I don't carry the banner for the Assemblies of God. I carry it for the church. Billy Graham, however, said, if you go, I said, I've traveled the world. Every country, every nation, every tribe, every dialect. And there's two things you'll find everywhere in the world. Coca-Cola and the Assemblies of God. So I appreciate <laughs> The assemblies, it's the greatest evangelistic force on the face of the earth, in my opinion, when I hear of the overseas reports of revival and renewal. Having said that, this isn't about their statement of beliefs. I want you to examine the scriptures for yourself. I can only touch on them. You go home and listen, John Wood is not the authority. That book you hold in your lap is the final authority. It's inerrant. It cannot... It should not be diluted, polluted, misapplied, added to, inferred upon. Just read it. See, and then answer the question. You ought to hang it on your door. How readest thou? And that will bring us into truth. Okay, number one. Tongues, the, being able to see them, was the primary initial occurrence that accompanied spirit baptism. In the upper room, letter A, they were present in the upper room. Acts 2, 4, and 14, 21 says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm just going to go down the line for a little bit. I'll be going kind of fast, and then we're going to just talk it through, okay? So we all agreed that on the day of Pentecost, so Jesus appeared to 500 and told them to go tarry. 120 did, sound like church people, and not everybody was where they're supposed to be. But they would tell us, they would tell us that the church was born on that day. Well, were the 120 the only ones born? 
No, nobody else had believed. Nobody else had. See, make sure that you don't swap the words gift of the Spirit for eternal life. When the church was born, it wasn't the gifts of the Spirit that signified it or the pouring out of the Spirit. It was the pouring in of the Spirit. The pouring in, the, the, the sealing, the earnest of the Spirit. It wasn't the tongue of fire that set upon my head that made me born again. It was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And when it reached the mercy seat, when he carried it, and when he cried out, it is finished. The price had been paid. And he himself took his blood into the heavenly tabernacle. Our sins were paid for. And the earnest of the Spirit was given to each of us. But just, just going down the line with me in Acts 2... It said they were all filled with the, with the Spirit, and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was a sign of the last dispensation, letter B. And Peter lifted up his voice and said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that will come to pass in the last days. I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall dream dreams, or have visions, your old men will dream dreams, and on my servants and handmaidens. I will pour out of those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Notice in this story of Acts 2 that there's no record of visions, dreams, being dreamed, no sun blackened, no bloody moon. It was, however, evidence that Joel's prophecy had begun. When Simon stood up, he said, brethren, this is that. Well, it was a part of that. It wasn't all of that. Peter who was under the inspiration of God, called by God, elect of God, one of the pillars of the church, if he wanted to say this is the birth of the church, he could have said, hey, this is the birth of the church. It's not hard to articulate that. And I'm, 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 I'm using that emphasis abrasively on purpose because we can come into a train of thought that's counterintuitive, that's counterlogical. He says, this is what God said through Joel would happen in the last days, that he would pour out his spirit on his handmaidens. They were already his. Young men will see dreams by the spirit, uh, both saved and unsaved. This was a pouring out. And not all of it had happened. It was a testimony that this was a sign, the pouring out of the spirit, the tongues. No mention of cloven tongues in Isaiah. No mention of a mighty rushing wind, but a mention of all of this. Simon said, this is what Joel was talking about. This is the pouring out, not the pouring in of the Holy Spirit. Letter C. Tongues were a sign and fulfillment of prophecy to the Jews. I've heard some of my colleagues and friends who believe that this is not for the church today. They would say that, Tongues aren't even for the believer. There's a sign for the unbeliever. Well, if you look in 1 Corinthians 14, 21 and 22, do we have that, Scott? Or do I need to go there? First, I can't see that side one. Is he there? All right, Scott, thank you. Y'all thank the Lord for Scott up there. He's doing six jobs tonight. So, In the law, it is written. Where was it written? In the Old Testament. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak unto this people. Which people? There was no church in the law. To the Jews. And yet for all this you will not hear me, says the Lord. 
Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Who in the context are those that believe not? The Jews. It's not a sign to the unbeliever when they walk in her church. It's a sign that the Lord has poured his Holy Spirit on we who were not of the circumcised. We were not of the household of Israel. We were strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and no help without God on the outside. And it was his pouring out upon them to the Jews, which he has not finished with. He says, you've rejected me, but look who's received me. So it's for a sign. And they'll say, well, it's supposed to be a sign for unbelievers when they come in your church. Wrong context. He said, in the law, it is written. So see, you can take the scripture and say it exactly right and apply it in the wrong place. Some of you are kind of staring at me. Let me give you an example. Some of y'all do this with your Bible. Lord, I ain't got no time for devotion today. Give me something in Jesus' name. Here we go. And Judas went and hung himself. All right. That ain't a good one. So we close it up. Mm. We wait for a hand to get warm. Somebody taught us that in some crazy conference. And then we go and do thou likewise. Then we're really in trouble. So you went from Judas hung himself to go and do thou likewise. You can't just pick and choose. All of it is inspired and all of it's perfect. But the commands to a wife aren't for me. The commands to the husband. So see, you have to divide. Tongues are for a sign. And it's not to be used by people that believe in cessationism and say, it's not even for the believer. No, that's not what it said. It said the part of its exposure is a sign to the Jews that God is engrafting the Gentiles in. Because later you'd hear the disciples can, can we withhold baptism from them? Because we've seen God's already poured out the Spirit on them. What they're saying is, hey, they're already saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. You think we ought to baptize them? You see? All right. Some of us do. kind of. Okay. And I know I'm covering a lot right here, but it's going to get to a place and we can slow down and just talk. And any time, if you have a question, I may not have the answer, but um, we'll go with there as well. Letter D. These are just examples Evidencing the point that I told you tongues were the initial primary visible thing. In Acts chapter 8, let me just summarize this for you. Uh, Philip had went down to Samaria and he had preached Christ. And it said they believed, many believed. Hearing and seeing the miracles. Unclean spirits coming out of people. People possessed. People with palsy healed. The lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. And listen in verse 12, Acts 8, 12, when they believed Philip's preaching, his preaching of what? The Christ. Were they not saved? Whosoever believeth and calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There was a revival there. That's why the disciples, who was it? Peter and John? Thank you. Peter and John were sent to them. Okay, And when the apostles, Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received, past tense, the word of God, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they laid their hands on them and received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, they received the Holy Ghost, he offered to buy it. And Peter said, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God, he didn't say eternal life could be bought. You thought the gift of God could be bought with your money. 
So they already believed Peter, uh, Philip is doing pre the preaching with signs following. Lame people are getting up and walking. The palsied are healed, the blind here, the deaf here, the lame walk. And the Bible said, now please catch this, they believed. So if they heard the gospel, they saw the power of the gospel being enacted and they believed. Were they saved? Yes. So this spirit falling upon them can't be the spirit coming into them because that happens at conversion because the work was already done. So do you mean to tell me that these people had to wait for Peter to get there and put his hands on them before the salvation could be complete? That sounds like something akin to Catholicism, which you got to wait for a certain man to get there with a certain hat and a certain robe and absolve your sins. Listen, you don't need an earthly priest. You don't need a pastor or a friend. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, God can use other people to encourage us along, but just, just follow me. Uh, well, it doesn't say that they spoke in tongues. No, but this sorcerer who was used to powerful things, not divine things, but supernatural things. He was used to seeing manifestations like false healings, miracles, uh, levitations, things like that. He saw something that was so dynamic that he offered to buy it. Now, I'm asking you to rationally think through this. Do you think he saw love on their face? They'd already believed, they believed before Simon, before Peter got there. It said Simon the sorcerer believed. I, I'm, I didn't notice that until recently in the Bible. He's a believer now with a track record. You know somebody on your row is a believer with a track record. You might not know that. So here, here he is and he's used to all of power, uh, not, not divine but supernatural. And he saw something. It wasn't peace. Oh, after they prayed. Uh, you know, when they were born again, he didn't offer to buy it. When his friends were born again and those around him, he didn't offer to buy it. He saw something when Simon Peter laid his hands upon them. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And I can't tell you for certainty. This is what you should always look for in your study and in the preachers you listen to. I can't tell you for certainty that it was tongues. But I can tell you that every other place in Acts, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues. And he saw a divine, pure expression of people speaking in a language that they, they did not understand. And it witnessed with his spirit. And he offered to buy it. And how many know just because you saved, it don't mean you got it all together yet. And Simon was like, ooh, Peter's looking at Simon and goes, man, you still got some issues. You, 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 you're in danger of losing everything. And he, you immediately saw his repentant heart. Please forgive me. I, di I didn't know I was still an idiot. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Okay. But we are in agreement that he saw something. He did not offer to purchase their salvation. It would be my best guess that he saw one of the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said, so that when I lay hands on people, that can happen. Okay.
So his motive was wrong, but his eyesight was real good. He saw. So I'm going somewhere. I know this is a lot of material all at once. Letter E in Acts chapter 10. Oh, here we go. D, experienced by the Samaritans and Simon the sorcerer after conversion. I thought I covered that. I might not have said the sentence. Please forgive me. What about D? Uh, all right, letter, G, letter E, falling on the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. So we've got it coming at the hands of Simon Peter. And look at Acts 10, 44. Are we there? You there? While Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Fell into them? Okay. Now, I'm not doing that to get on your nerves. But we hear stuff so long, we, we don't even pay attention to what we're reading. God's crystal clear when he said you were given the witness of the Spirit. He was with you and he shall be in you. You remember when Jesus said this? He was with you and he shall be in you. Well, later on, he's going to be on you. John the Baptist says, here comes the Lamb of God whose, sin, uh, whose shoes I'm not worthy to take uh, untie. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you, baptizo, immerse you in the Holy Spirit. So, Peter, while speaking words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word. They didn't even ask. So, we know of the Spirit, everyone that asketh receiveth, and everyone that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh the door shall be opened. And if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? We know that. But he's not limited to asking. He's God. Holy Spirit can do what he wants, when he wants, as he wants. I, I'm amazed at the preacher. Lord, we give you permission to come in here. I just back up. I said, he said that? I didn't say that, Lord. That, that is foolishness. <laughs> Lord, we just invite you and we give you permission to come in here. There's a lack of awe and reverence for him. He does what he wants, as he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and he will never contradict anything in the Godhead or in the Word of God. So the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished, as many that came with Peter. Are you following along with me? Because that on the Gentiles was also poured out or in. Out of the gift of the Holy Ghost. How do you know that the gift of the Holy Ghost was poured out? What's the very next thing? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter said, can any forbid water that they should not be baptized and have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? You don't browbeat this belief. You don't stand and plant a flag and separate from others in the body of Christ. But there, there, there is an obvious distinction between where it says that can we forbid them water and shouldn't they not be baptized who've received the Holy Ghost as well as we. He didn't say eternal life. Now, could it be said for those that have eternal life? Yes, both of them would fit, but he didn't say eternal life. He didn't say witness of the Spirit. What just happened was it fell. <laughs> Here he is preaching, and non-Pentecostal people 
are baptized and they start speaking with tongues and it's kind of like, uh, should we go ahead and baptize them? Being that, you know, pretty unmistakable. We, all of us, have such a desire to be right in our dogma, our doctrine, and our history that we will die on a hill that God never asked us to fight on. I don't like being called Pentecostal, but I am to my toes. But I'm a Christian. I sat in the floor of my apartment by myself with my Bible opened. And I said, I've been filled with the devil my whole life. Lord, you said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto you. And out of his belly would flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Spirit. Rivers. Well, when I'm saved, I'm dipping out of a well of salvation. But this rivers, somehow that's the spirit that's in me coming out, meeting the spirit that's poured on top. I don't understand it all. What I'm trying to communicate to you is very simple in this first part of our lesson. Is that there is a difference between in and upon. And where God chose not to use the words eternal life, even if they fit, there's a reason he chose the gift of the Spirit. When they called upon the name of the Lord, they were not asking for the gift of the Spirit. Because they didn't even know, most of them, if there was a Holy Spirit. They were asking for their sins to be forgiven. John's, John's gospel, the gospel of repentance. Okay? Now, one more. And then by the laying on of Paul's hands, Acts 19, 1 through 7. It came to pass... Paul was passing through the upper coast to Ephesus and he finding certain disciples. Do you see that in your Bible? No? Acts 19, 1. Paul came to Ephesus and what did he find? Okay. Are disciples believers? Okay. And I know I'm being facetious, but your pastor has kind of like a, a dry wit sarcasm. I don't know if you know that. I, it's kind of a deaf sense of humor. But I notice stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm a logical person. And God will walk right on top of my logic to speak to me. And said, answer, answer rightly, knowing that, that that's how I'm wired. So if they're disciples, they're believers. And if they're believers, and they believed on the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which happened months or years before, Christ is seated at the right hand of God, the blood is on the mercy seat, I'm asking you, if they believed, when did they receive the witness of the Holy Spirit? When they called upon the name of the Lord. Their sins were absolved. They were immediately born again of the Spirit. God marked them, identified, and sealed them forever. Okay, so Paul is speaking to disciples. There's no way around that. But yet I've heard preachers preaching. I had, had a, I'll just say, an acquaintance. He got to the part in the scriptures where it said, forbid not to speak with tongues. And he said, what the Bible meant to say was forbid to speak with tongues. No. Like, personal foul, number 52. I'll say, you know, oh, you make it say what you want. But I'm just, I'm just presenting to you that these are disciples, right? He said to them, have you received eternal life since you believe? No. 
have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? So we've not so much as heard. He said, under what were you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism. And then Jesus said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that they who believe on him would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came upon them or in them? On them. And they spoke with tongues. There it is again. And prophesied. And all these men were about 12. Now, go home and research. And listen, you may see something I don't see. And you may know something I don't know. And I just want to walk in truth. I want to walk in truth. But it seems to be a distinction when I study of in and upon. And you can't tell me that the Holy Spirit waited on Paul to put his hands on him before the deal was done. So if it was eternal life... When they believed and they were baptized in Jesus' name. And the Holy Spirit is waiting on Paul to put his hands on them. Because Jesus' salvation, it can't happen without Paul. You know, three, two, one, Paul, go. Paul, and then, no, no. The being born again does not come by the will of man or the instrument of man. It's between God and the person. But the Holy Spirit can fall, can be by the placing on of hands, it can be by the preaching of the word, it can be by the asking of the believer, it can be by the design of the believer. I'm just submitting to you because we're about to teach on the gift of tongues in the next week or two, that I want you to see that there is a distinction between the ability to speak in tongues, which happens and is made available to all who are spirit baptized. And the person operating in the gift of tongues. Now, we're going to get to the meat of it. Are you ready? I know that was kind of a long introduction, but I don't like for somebody to tell me something and not back it out with some witnesses. So I gave you five or six. Okay. The difference between the ability to speak in tongues and the gift of tongues. Do you see that in your outline? The ability. Okay. And the gift. The ability happens at the time of the spirit baptism. The gift happens at the time of the Holy Spirit divining to every man severally as he wills. The gifts of the Spirit are divine bursts of God's divine power. There's vocal gifts, there's intuitive gifts, and there's power gifts. But they happen at the pushing, the desire of God, the, the stirring of God for the moment. When you're given a word of knowledge, something out of the mind of God that only... He knows that no one else would know for this situation. So it's a, it's a thrust of divine power in that gift. The gift of tongues, and we'll get to this in a moment, is for a public setting where God wants to say something to the person. But the ability to speak in tongues initiates with me, and that's probably in these notes here, but let's, let's go to the second. It, the one happens at the time of the Spirit's baptism. I just showed you five or six scriptural examples. And they spoke with tongues. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. How'd you know? Because we heard them speak with tongues. All right. Oh, and by the way, spirit baptism is not a sign of maturity. It's not a sign of character. It's a sign of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And did you know the Holy Spirit falls on children? Young and old. It's not an endorsement. It's a gift. It's a gift. The gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm glad I didn't have to qualify for all that the Lord has done for me. And oh, I'm glad that within the first two weeks of my salvation, that's, you know, when he, I, and I, listen, I ain't no better than you. That's not what this is about. If we stacked up, I'm probably in the bottom 30, 40%, 20, maybe 20%. I've been used to that most of my life. That, that don't bother me. But what, what I, I want to make sure is that we find ourselves in the desire for what God has for us. This statement protects you. I want everything you have for me and nothing more. Nothing more. Okay. The ability to speak in tongues is for the edification of the one practicing it. Is this, let's see, 2 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 14. Give me just one moment. Let's see if this is it. Typing with old man fat hands. That kind of, y'all young people don't understand what that means. But your hands get bigger. Your ears get bigger. Your nose get bigger. Don't worry. It only gets worse. Don't worry. It's all good. You're going to be fine. All right. All right. 1 Corinthians 14. Four, all right? We're going to go line upon line, precept upon precept. Are you ready? 1 Corinthians 14, 4. It should be on the screen right behind me. You might even have double whammy. You might have it on both sides. The ability to speak in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Somebody read that. What does it say? Okay. He that speaks in an unknown tongue, in, in tongue, not learned. It's for the edification of himself. Something happens to me when I speak, when I speak in an unknown tongue, not the gift of tongues where I'm speaking to others. But you'll find that 1 Corinthians 14 deals with the public gathering. But the gift of tongues, when it is interpreted, is beneficial for the church, right? So if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Wait a minute. Watch, I, I love the first time I shared with people. I've had pastors look at me and go, what? If there's no interpreter, let them keep silent in the church. And I say, why would you put a period there instead of a comma? He goes, what? Let them keep silent in the church. And let them speak unto themselves and to God. He didn't say stop. He just said stop doing it publicly. If there's no interpreter. When I speak in an unknown tongue. That word edify means the truest form of construction. My mind is edified. My body is edified. My soul is edified. My perspective is altered. There have even been studies, believe it or not, like it or not, from brain surgeons and experts. And one of them was a believer and he hooked them up. I don't know what the machine's called. Google it and Research it and find you two or three to make sure all the witnesses line up. But they put all the electrodes on them and had the spirit-filled believer just pray in tongues. I thought that was pretty cool. And he said, um, it's chartable. The parts, there's parts of their brains that start to fire, their brain that starts to fire and almost heal itself when they do this. Okay, this is not a reward, it's just a fact. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Now, if I spend my life just talking in tongues all the time, I'm good, but I've not helped anybody else. 
That's why 1 Corinthians says, and I'm going to show you a better way. Use the gift you have and the gifts the Holy Spirit gives to serve people and to be better. And here's, this is the overarching theme for all of my non-Pentecostal friends. Because this is where it all comes into balance. If it does not center around the person, the presence, and the glory of Jesus, it is not the Holy Spirit. If it produces any form of I'm better than you, I know more, I'm a celebrity, if it comes off as self-elevation, uh, uh, it's not the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, he said he will glorify Jesus because he's not going to testify of himself. And if he's not testifying of himself, you know he ain't testifying of you. Oh, and me. <laughs> it's for the edification of the one practicing it. But in verse 4, after interpretation, it's for the believers. Because that's why he said, if there's no interpreter in the church for the gift of tongues, he said, be quiet. Because no one's being edified. They, they don't know what you said. It didn't help. So be quiet. So if the interpretation of the supernatural gift of tongues would be them knowing the heart and mind of God for them at that moment, that edification, it's contrasting to the edification I have where there's no need of interpretation. Because I'm not speaking unto men, but I'm speaking unto God. So one is the ability to speak in tongues, and one is the gift of tongues, the articulation of the gift of tongues. Hopefully as we continue, it'll be clear. The ability to speak in tongues is for private, personal use. In verse 23 of this same chapter, it's for public use. Let me slide down here. Verse 23. All right. Are you all there at verse 23, 1 Corinthians 14? If the whole church come together, is that public or private? Okay. If the whole church come together in one place and all speak with tongues, and they're coming those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you're mad? They'll say you are crazy. Yes. Yes. So we're looking about the profit of others, right? But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not, he is convinced of all, and he's judged. And thus the secrets of his heart are made manifested. And falling on his face, he'll worship God. Uh, he'll worship God and report that God is in you of the truth. That's why the interpretation is important. Because if someone interrupts a servant service where there's exhortation, preaching, teaching, and they have a gift to introduce... A power moment where someone is going to speak, not out of their will. See, when I pray in tongues at home by myself, I pray out of my will. I choose the when and the where. But the gift of tongues is not that way. The gift of tongues is an uninvited burst of God's intention and desire for that moment and those people. And if there's no interpreter, God's saying, then no one's benefiting. Do you see how true that is to the pattern it's for edification. If it's interpreted, it's for the edification of the church. If it's articulated, it's the edification of the believer at home. Okay? The ability. I nor others understand what I've said. But the gift, both the interpreter and the congregation understands. After the interpreter comes in, with the gift of understanding. And interpretation is not translation. 
Interpretation means this is the heart and mind of God for this moment. And you got to be very careful because those of us that speak in tongues, every time the Spirit moves, they feel moved to give a message in tongues. And they don't realize, and I've had to say this in our services, I would say, uh, if I may as your pastor, I, I don't believe this, that's a gift of tongues. I think that that woman's heart is so full of the Lord at this moment that it seems like the natural thing to do. But the Lord was already doing something. He was already saying something, and he's not going to interrupt himself to do the other. And I said, so what she did was not wrong. It just doesn't profit everyone without interpretation. So can we all just agree? And I, I looked at her, I said, I, I just know you're full of the Holy Spirit. You're so happy to be in God and here. And she said, yes, and that's what this was. So when I pray at home, I don't have to have an interpreter. Because I'm not praying to me. I'm praying to God. Now, my opinion, say that with me, my opinion. Okay, somebody going to say, John said, no, my opinion. I believe when we get to heaven, we're all going to talk in the language of the Spirit. What you going to think, we're going to speak English or Spanish or Italian or Pig Latin? I, I believe, I believe that each of us will have a language, a dialect distinct as your children are distinct. Totally independent of one another and all of us are going to understand one another because we're speaking God. That's what I believe. Now, I may be wrong. We might do kinetic up there. I don't know. But I, I believe that in the end, God who knows all things you talking about harmony? Is there anything more beautiful than harmony? Well, is there anything more beautiful than harmony with people that can sing? Can you imagine in heaven with everyone? So the actual Christ will be walking down the streets of Jerusalem. And the redeemed of the Lord will see him. And people are going to be flying in on airplanes to worship Jesus Christ. Saved and unsaved. Earthly people and redeemed people. And the song will catch in one end of Jerusalem and go this way. And you imagine the redeemed of the Lord all singing in tongues and it harmonized. I don't know, but I know I'm going to find out. Not for certain. Okay. The ability is under the control of the man. The gift is still is under the control of the man in one aspect because the, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. But it's under the control and unction of the Holy Spirit. I can't decide to operate the gift of healing, gifts of healing. If you, well, I got the gifts of healing, I just know how. To, well, go empty the hospital out. Go empty it out. Save us all money on the insurance. Just empty it out. No, you don't, you don't get to just do that. I can speak in tongues, but I can't operate the gift of tongues when I want. As a matter of fact, I pray in tongues for years, since 86. I've never given a message in church. But I prophesy in church. I, I foretell and foretell the word of God. I exercise at times the gift of wisdom. Thank you, Lord. Uh, that helps a pastor uh, incredibly to have that. So he's not an utter idiot. Um, there's gifts that operate. I've never operated in that gift. And I don't feel less or more because I understand that my ability to speak in tongues 
although similar, is not the same at all. You've heard it called a prayer language. Well, the Bible doesn't call it a prayer language, but is that a, a good description of it? Yeah, it's fair and it's accurate because my prayer ain't for nobody else but me and God. You see? Okay. All right. Getting better. In the ability, there are no rules governing its expression. But in the church, there must be an interpreter. And by the most three people. If there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, comma, and let him speak to himself. When I go worship with my non-Pentecostal friends, I don't get up and just as loud as I can pray in tongues, pray in tongues. I, I'm, God's a God of what? Order. He's not author of confusion. So what I do? I speak to myself. And under my breath, when I feel his spirit stirring me and tender, I pray both with my understanding, let me say this, and in the spirit. Paul contrasts praying in the spirit. He contrasts that with praying with understanding. He said, I'm going to do both. Paul, are we in agreement that Paul might have a clue about the operations of the church? He saw the Lord on the Damascus Road. He's an apostle, wrote most of the Bible. He said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And he wasn't saying boasting. He's saying, I want you to know that the counsel I'm giving comes from experience. So Paul uh, has the ability to, to speak in tongues. But he said, but in the church setting, I'd rather just speak five words in a language they understand than 10,000 in, in one that they don't. But he contrasted. He said, so let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray in the spirit which means I don't understand what I'm praying. And then for me, he would say in Hebrew, I'm going to pray in Hebrew, so I pray with my understanding. He did both. Then he went another layer. He said, I will sing with the Spirit, which means without understanding the mental faculty. Spirit praying, Spirit singing, but I have no idea what I'm praying or singing. And I'll sing with the understanding. What he's letting you know is, Whenever you see the word in the spirit, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. You know, I kind of thought for a while in my early years, you know, I said, well, maybe in the spirit means when you really feel it. Paul told us what in the spirit means. In the spirit means it's either with, without understanding now, you can pray a spiritual prayer without praying in the Spirit. But when I pray in the Spirit, I build myself up in my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Does that imply that there is some praying that uh, doesn't build you up in your most holy faith? Yes. But I do both. I find I pray in tongues more when I'm grateful And I'm joyful. And when I sense him in the congregation, it's the natural default. I mean, how many different ways can I say I love you, I need you, I thank you? What my, what my mind knows is I don't have the intelligence or the vocabulary to articulate how good you are to me. So may I just let my spirit pray it this way. And when I'm done, this is about what it's like. It's like... You just get done, you go, amen to whatever I said. 
And we are so afraid of being spiritual that we're not. I, I, I don't mean you have to walk around and somebody go, hey, and you start talking in tongues. Listen, write this down for me. It's my first write down. Weird is not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> write it down. Hang it up the window. Put it on the refrigerator. Someone calls your name and you just go off in tongues. Now, who's that helping? Nobody. It surely wasn't inspired. The Lord just, angels are shaking their head going, please, no, stop it. There's a reason. I just, I'm, listen, I'm just going to throw stuff out there. I hope I just get y'all all just writing notes and just putting in, you know how you've got the guy that fills his closet up with all the notes and draws the strings to it? That's, that's what I, I, I hope happened from here. And I just lost my place. I don't know what I was talking about. I just, what was I saying, Jay? Help me. What? I was talking about the Holy Spirit. Give me something to throw at him. No, it's, it's not. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Yeah, the, the natural part. Uh, but God doesn't ever stick his hand in us. Okay, here's, here's what. The average, I'm not saying everybody. Be careful if anybody says always and never. The average non-Pentecostal thinks that the gifts of the Spirit operate like this. Like God slams his hand in your human glove and, and you can't help it. I had a lady stand up one time. I'm giving an altar call. People are coming to know Jesus. They're repenting, walking the aisle, just as I am playing. You know, they're coming down the aisle. And she stands and starts to go off in tongues. Whoa, whoa, man, not right now, sis. And the person come to pray, she stood up again. I said, ma'am, not right now, please. These people are coming to Christ. Third time. I think third time, that was her showing me, you know, that I can only do what the Lord commands me, you know. So she did it the third time. I said, ma'am, please sit down. You're out of order. So I met with her after church. And, you know, I've spent most of my ministry life like the guy in the Civil War with blue shorts and a gray shirt getting shot at from both sides. I'm not Pentecostal enough for the Pentecostals. And my non-Pentecostal, you're on the edge, Pastor. You're on the edge. You know, so you get both of those. And I, I told her, I said, ma'am, what are you? She goes, you quenched the Holy Spirit. I said, no, ma'am, I did not. She goes, yes, you did. She said, I could not help it. I said, yes, you could. She goes, no, I, I could not help it. I said, Yes, ma'am, you could. You don't know what's going on inside of me. I said, true. See, I have to have one gift or I'm sunk. Is the gift of wisdom. The word of wisdom. In a moment to know what to say. And I said, ma'am, um, you said you did not have control. And the Bible said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And if the fruit of the spirit is self-control, then how can what you were doing be classified as the work of the spirit? This church, what was it she said? I just, on her way out, you're just scared of the Holy Spirit. No, I'm scared of crazy. <laughs> I'm scared of a Christian. I'm scared of a Christian that will grandstand their ability to speak in tongues and interrupt somebody coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I remember what I was going to tell you. <laughs> it wasn't connected to nothing, but that's how the old mind works. Okay. If... Have you ever noticed that 
almost all of Christian television, almost all, is crazy Pentecostalism. It's connected. They believe in the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, and we're a word church, and everything's loud, and everything's, uh, I just, come in, come in. Everybody's falling out when the biblical pattern is, if it's the pattern of the Holy Spirit, if you see in Jesus, you're falling forward like a dead man. Okay, just, just a side note. But all this, why, why is it on every television station unless the devil is promoting something to turn the hearts and minds of believers away from the greatest gift and empowerment? The greatest thing that's ever happened to me this side of my salvation is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They didn't make me pure or perfect but it gave me power power in my prayers power in my words power in the moment power for others to wherever you can say silver and gold i don't have but what i have come here and you just pray for them in hopes that the gifts will operate if i don't have the gifts what am i going to do the person calls me at one in the morning i have a gun in my mouth pastor and these pastors will tell you it comes to your phone what am I going to do? Well, let's think about No, I need a word from heaven. I need something to pierce that moment. All right. We're we need it. We need it. And, and for me, I, I think that there is a place to teach like this to eliminate enough confusion where believers will once again get in front of the Lord and say, I desire spiritual gifts. I'm asking you to fill me with your spirit, Lord. The real version, not the television version. Not the barking like a dog and falling out. Not falling out, standing up. Standing up. Being, being something, faithful and, and, and consistent. All right. Got to move on. Got to move on. Running out of time. All right. This is a PowerPoint. Not PowerPoint like Microsoft, but a powerful point. Did you notice, I did not until writing this lesson for you. Preachers, where am I preaching? When it hits you at your desk and you go, I've been studying my whole life. Where has this been? Where? I mean, just childlike ABCs of theology. I never saw it. Well, I'm going to throw all the other preachers under the bus. I never heard them preach about it either. So maybe I'm the first one. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know we've done it. Okay. Did you notice there was no divine gift of interpretation at the day of Pentecost? Only natural understanding. So it was a gift of, if it was a gift of tongues, they tell you, oh, that was the gift of tongues. It was only for that day. And they also had the gift of hearing. No, no, no. If it was a gift of tongues, then the disciples who were led by the Holy Spirit would have called for an interpreter. But what they were doing is, they were just praying in languages that they didn't know and other men from those regions heard them talking of the wonderful works of God. They didn't know what they were saying. Why did they not call? Okay, guys, stop. There's more than two or three of us. Now, Paul hadn't written that, but isn't that same Holy Spirit inspiring them as he would Paul? They would have known this is out of order. We need to stop and ask God what this means. They're just... 
praising the Lord because personal prayer and praise does not have the demand of edification. I mean, of translation or interpretation. No one called for an interpreter. And we know it wasn't the gift of tongues because it was not a divine interpretation of it. The gift of tongues is not interpreted by natural gift. The gift of tongues is interpreted by the gift of interpretation. Uh, let me change gears here for just a moment. I heard a missionary tell this story, and I wasn't there, but I think that someone that spends their life in the bush wouldn't have a reason to, to lie. And they said they'd been there so long, and the wife was really struggling. And, you know, the wives on a lot of mission fields have it worse than the husband because they didn't hear the call. They just followed the man. And you think it's hard to follow the call of God. Try following somebody that's not God. Follow the call of God. <laughs> so she's there, and uh, she told the Lord one day, she said, I'm so tired of this place. Lord, I, I, I want to serve you. I, I want to give you my best, but I'm so tired of this place, God. I just, I miss my family. I miss my friends, you know, like, and I'm just ad-libbing. I miss McDonald's. I miss, I miss you know, I, I just, Lord, I just, I miss being able to talk to someone in my language. And she said that night, a little boy walked in, you know, and they're in the bush, bush, like loincloth bush you know just yeah but their modesty is anyway it's a whole totally separate subject i got time so he walks in and in the middle of worship service he walked down front and he was not talking to her but it was just right beside her and he lifted up his hands in church and he said the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures and she said it, see, it didn't need to be interpreted like with a natural understanding. It was this spirit on this boy who had come to know Jesus through them was now speaking a language that he did not understand in a way that she understood. It was supernatural in its expression. That's what's missing in our churches. We're so afraid of being Pentecostal that we're not. And no, we don't want the crazy. And if our pastors have courage and character, they'll keep the crazies at bay. Our problem is not wildfire. Our problem is no fire. That's our problem. Now, no fake fire. Don't allow that either. Call it. Call the question. And people will leave your church. Let them leave. Because you've got to be careful. All right. Uh, the ability to speak in tongues is only limited by desire and articulation. The gift of tongues is limited by the Spirit's desire and design. The ability to speak in tongues is by personal prayer, singing, blessing, giving thanks. Paul said, if I bless with the Spirit, that's, that means like if you pray over your food, you're praying over your food in tongues, your family goes, what's up with that? There's no interpreter there. But it doesn't mean you can't pray over it in tongues by yourself. Mix it up. It depends on the meal. If it's something you made, if the guys are at home by themselves and, you know, they just throwing something together, guys will put anything. We'll pour water over cereal. We don't care. Yeah. But if your wife has cooked you a great meal and you're by yourself and you see all six entrees and you want to pray in the Spirit because you don't know how thankful you really are, 
okay, you know. And by the way, you can't grieve God by just being, let me word it this way. Every son of God grows into a man, but not every man stays a son. This is very personal for me, but I'm going to share with you. If you say, John, what's, what's one of the things you've learned outside of just doctrine that maybe God didn't teach or preach on? But, you know, we know his word, but then we can also learn his ways. Okay? There is great power in being his boy. I don't feel energized being a man. Being a man is hard. The weight of pastoring, the weight of pastoring my family, the weight of being a voice, a leader, just like your responsibilities, that's hard. But being a little boy, that's freeing. That's, that's, my daddy's got it, my father's got it. And so when I was saying what I did about the meal, I wasn't saying being disrespectful. It's kind of like being a little boy. Ain't nobody in the house. I'm like, Lord, that meal's so good, I didn't even know how to say it in English. And the Lord isn't offended at me being his kid. Because it's a lot. There's a lot more longevity in being a boy than there is in being a man. Be both. Anyway, just a side note. All right. The ability to speak in tongues, you're talking to God. The gift, God will primarily and in the end be talking to others. And finally, uh, the ability to speak in tongues doesn't need an interpreter. God understands it. The gift does need an interpreter because no man understands him. Right? That is how I know. And I'm going to take questions here. Oh, we got just enough time to do communion. Might be one question. That's how we know that the gift of tongues, that wasn't uh, uh, at Pentecost. Because the Bible says that no man understands him. That was just the ability to speak in tongues. And that ability, I happened to be speaking, the disciples happened to be speaking in languages that someone else could discern. But no one understands him. The gift. So for us, the important thing is to let all things be done in decency and order. And if the law of love governs, which means you're more important than me. When I come to church like tonight, I thought it would be more helpful to you if I taught for an hour in English than the other. Now, th- I'm, I'm being facetious. So you go, well, yeah, that's how you use the gifts. When I get ready to pray for someone who's got the gun in the mouth. Or they take it out to talk to me on the phone. It's by my bedside right now. What do you do? I often ask them after I talk to them. I say, can I just pray for you? Almost always they go, yes. And I say, I'm, I'm not really sure how to pray. So God, then I just pray in the spirit. And I just pray as long as I feel like it's genuine. And I say, now can I just pray for you with my understanding? I do both. Cover with both barrels. Um. Earnestly desire gifts. The Bible said the Holy Spirit divides to every man severally as he wills. Every person has a gift of the Holy Spirit. The ability to speak in tongues. Um, 
will y'all forgive me if I don't do questions tonight? If we do questions next week, you can ask as many as you want, okay? The ability to speak with tongues. People ask me all the time, does everyone pray in tongues that's spirit-filled? Do I have to pray in tongues? You don't have to do anything to do. God doesn't stick his hand in you and make you. Has he ever made you write a check? I really didn't want to, but God, it's not. Does he make you worship? No, no. And he doesn't make you speak in tongues. But my answer is, everyone that's spirit baptized can. Where do you get that from? Acts 2, 4, 8, 9, 10, and 19. That's the common practice. Now, you don't want to plant a flag and say, okay, have you spoken tongues? No, you're not spirit-filled. That, whoa, time out, time out. First of all, that ain't your place to tell them who, who and what you can tell them. Now, according to Scripture, this, this is a sign. So, let me take you into my ordination interview for the Assemblies of God. Brother Wood, you know, they got the deep. They all sound like God, you know. Charlton Heston or God, one of the two. Brother Wood, do you adhere to the, how many is it, Jason? 18, 16. I said 18. I added two. The 16 funnel truths of the Assemblies of God. I do, sir, with explanation. You just knew, you know. So here's two rams that are about to hit, and I'm a little bitty ram. I got a little bitty horns. I don't like button heads with nobody, but they're versed. And what might be the problem? I said, well, I said, I want you to know I'm Pentecostal to my toes. I pray in tongues. I operate in the gifts. I believe in it. But the part where, you know, the initial physical evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues, what is taught by most of my peers is that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not spirit baptized. Well, yes. I said, but I tell people that according to the scriptures, the initial physical evidence was that they heard them speak with tongues. They were filled with the Spirit. They heard them speak with tongues. We did this like five times, five or six times. So what you're saying, Brother Wood, is, I said, mm -mm, that's not what I was saying. I was saying that they can. So what you're saying is that if one, and I mean it was going round and round, because they want to say if, if they don't, they're not. Now, please note, the men that interviewed me, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have made it sound funny. Smarter than I'll ever be. This is true. Godlier than I've ever been. And God gave them way more influence than I'll ever have. So I'm not belittling them. I was a little boy coming to be ordained, answering the question the best I could, okay? And I believe the Lord gave me a word of wisdom in the interview. He got to give me something. I'm just this average Joe mashed potatoes here. You know, Johnny know nothing. I'm, I'm just winging it. Everything in my ministry, I just winged it. I just winged it my whole life. And I said, sir, riddle me this. You are telling me that everyone that's spirit-filled talks in tongues. He said, yes. I said, what of a mute? He said, what? I said, what if he has no tongue? According to your definition, he can't be spirit-filled. And you, they, these men, listen, they forgot more Bible than I know. We were saying the same thing. We were just saying it differently. I do not cross over and tell you because you didn't, you haven't. What I will tell you is that you can. Because the biblical pattern was they spoke with tongues. And what, what hinders us is we've seen so much foolishness 
and crazy that we say, I don't want to do that, so we don't do any of it. How about this? How about I step over all the foolishness that I've seen and all the crazy I've seen and all the misinterpreted scripture, and I say, Lord, according to the book of Acts, this was a common practice, so I'm just going to put volume to a stammering lip. I believe I've been spirit-filled, and God, you ain't got to do nothing else for me, but I want that communion. I want that opportunity to build myself up in my most holy faith. I, I want that for me. And so, Lord, would you just baptize me anew and afresh? And whatever you feel, you just articulate that. If it's two syllables or a page and a half, it didn't matter. And then thank the Lord. Now watch. You said that everyone that asketh receiveth. So from this day forward, I'm thanking you that you've, spirit, you've baptized me in your spirit. And I look forward to this communication between you and I growing in its purity and in its commonness for the glory of your son. Watch what happens. The night of my infilling was just a few phrases. Nothing magical, nothing mystical. No angel come down and went, you're incredible, John. Nothing like that happened at all. And I just kind of, okay, there it was. A little less magnificent than I thought. That's what my mind was saying. And then, I'm going to tell you how I knew it was the devil. Because he had never told me I wasn't spirit-filled before. And he's the father of lies. Oh, that was it? Oh, beautiful. That's what I heard. Oh, John, do that again for me. That, that was powerful. That'll change the world. Oh, good. And I knew, I said, I must have received because you wouldn't have told me I didn't have it so still not real impressive just a couple phrases come out um, I can take you to the spot uh, 75 going south straight goes to 16 right goes to used to go to Hardman Avenue I don't know what in the blue Hades we're doing now I know they've been working on set 75 since I was 16 and I'm 61 I know that so I'm right there going, before I get to Hardeman Avenue, the turn, you can see the cemetery, right there. I'm in my 1971 Cutlass convertible, 226,000 miles, leaked like a sewer, no radio, top had holes in it. My top's down, I'm driving with a cassette in there, Christian music, and I'm just singing along. And it was like heaven just opened, on like a deluge like if you walk at the end of a house where there's no gutter and it was just as easy and I just began to pray and joyfully in tongues it was melodic it was powerful it was tender it was quiet and then I stopped because I'd studied it and I realized that he he I'm not waiting on him He's waiting on me, and I can do that anytime. I'll, and I began to pray in the Spirit again and again and again. And then out loud, towards the end, I said, How about that, devil? Was that good enough for you? <laughs> you know. But if you take everything I said tonight, does that make me better than you who haven't spoken in tongues? Not at all. What the great, our standard is that we are the blood bought, the redeemed. That's the highest title. There's, there's nothing close to that. We're all grouped there. But down here, I need this. I want this. And so we got about 10 minutes left, and I want us to have time for our communion. You have four stations, and I'll play a song here.
And uh, if you haven't been spirit baptized in the spirit, just ask the Lord. He's not going to do any. I'm just scared I'll get a demon. He's not going to give you anything different. He's not, and he's not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. And then if you have been spirit-filled, but it's been a long time, you say, Lord, will you touch your boy again? Je the disciple said, Jesus teaches to pray. He said, I always start off my father, our father. Start as a little boy. Start as a child. Just come, just come and, and ask him. And everyone that asks gets received. Okay? So if you'll cue that song for us and just at the four corners. And what I'd like for us to get in the pattern, if you'll do this for me. Instead of just going back to your seat, because that's the familiar, comfortable, kind of find a place along the wall. If you're with a wife or friends, you can be by yourself or together. And think about what this means. Because it's the cup, the blood, and the body that made the in and the on available. The gift of God was not only eternal life, it was the person of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to live out our life that we might effectually and faithfully serve the Lord with power. So if you'd cue that for us, guys, and we'll take communion together.